Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Our gospel reading this morning comes from Matthew 6, which is 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Uh, It's really good to be with you again this morning. My name is Josh. If I've never had the pleasure of meeting you, I would certainly love to right after the service. And it would be a real pleasure to uh, make your acquaintance. I'm really excited to open God's word with you this morning and look yet again at his promises for us, his grace towards us and his goodness in our lives. This morning we're continuing our series called The ABCs of In-Town, where if you've been with us, we've been looking at kind of the DNA of our church, why we believe, what we believe, what makes us tick, what's going on kind of at the molecular level, so to speak. What we've been doing uh, is looking at our mission statement and kind of unpacking each word to see what sort of riches there might be there for us, if any. So our mission statement goes a little something like this. It is uh, in-town Presbyterian Church as a community seeking to embody the historic Christian gospel in the city of Portland. Today we're continuing to look at the word Christian and what that means if that's something you confess about yourself. In particular, what it means to have and to give. In other words, money. So if you're visiting and this topic makes you exceedingly uncomfortable, I sincerely do apologize that you have to deal with it for the next little bit, but come back next week and I'm sure it'll be something uh, much more palatable. All right. Uh, so, so the big idea here for us is that Jesus, he gives us uh, the, the riches of heaven, right? He rather gives those up in order to pursue those who tend to hoard uh, their own and hide from the needy, right? So what is it about that? What is it about his mission for us that might cause us to care so deeply about others that we would be willing to give away what we have, whether it's a lot or almost nothing at all? So let's talk about it like this, kind of as a, as a larger concept to kind of drive where we're going, because Jesus has sought you like treasure and made you his own. What would it cost you to give yours away? Because Jesus has sought you like treasure and made you his own. What would it cost you to give yours away? All right, that's going to be kind of our, our guiding light as we go through here. So to kind of, uh, to kind of give us a framework for, for where we're going, because our time on this earth is short, we're going to be looking at it through kind of the lens of a pilgrim, someone on a journey, this text. And there's kind of three things that come out. Uh, the fall of a pilgrim, right? Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. The wisdom of a pilgrim, lay up instead for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then the heart of a pilgrim, for where your treasure is, that your heart will be also. Okay, so the fall of a pilgrim, the wisdom of a pilgrim, and the heart of a pilgrim. So to kind of get the wheels turning here when it comes to talking about money, can you think of any popular cliches that there are in kind of our cultural vernacular about money? Are there, is there any sort of cliches or phrases that come to mind? I was thinking about this week in um, uh, 
there's no shortage of them. Uh, I was having trouble thinking, so I, of course, turned to uh, almighty Google, and turns out there's quite a few. Uh, so I'll throw some of these out, see if these sound familiar, and maybe they make you think of some others. Um, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? After all, you're on a shoestring budget, you're trying to stretch a dollar before it burns a hole in your pocket. Maybe you'll laugh all the way to the bank, but I'd bet my bottom dollar you would sell out for a king's ransom. Just remember not to bite the hand that feeds you, because then you'd be putting your money where your mouth is. After all, money talks, and that's just a penny for your thoughts. Um, There's many, many more. Maybe that gets the wheels turning. As we can see from these cliches, even though they're kind of funny, it's obvious that money is really important to us. You spent money in one form or another to get here this morning, either putting gas in your car or riding on a bike that you bought or buying a bus pass. It cost you something to be here, even today. It's it's important to us, obviously, and it's really important to Jesus. Jesus talks about money more than he talks about heaven, more than he talks about sex, more than he talks about hell. That's because it's really dangerous. If you have too much of it, it will kill you. If you don't have as much as you want, chasing it down will kill you. And if you have some money this morning, maybe you're thinking of thinking to yourself, well, hold on a second, hold on. It's not money that's bad. It's not money that's bad. It's the love of money. You forgot that word. It's, it's the love of money. That's... The problem, is it? (laughs) I I mean, I know it's in the Bible, but it would seem to me that that objection arises in my own heart only to get away from the difficult challenge that Jesus seems to be placing on us here. After all, if you keep reading in that same verse, it comes from 1 Timothy 6.10, you would read this. Through this craving... It is through this craving for wealth that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So yes, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's through that very craving that some have actually left the faith altogether. So there's a great danger here to be aware of. Jesus, in fact, will say just a couple of verses after our text this morning in Matthew 6.24, that you cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. Or you'll hate one and love the other. You cannot serve God and money. So he seems to draw a very clear line between these two things. So a choice lays before you this morning. If Jesus has made you his treasure, will you see him as yours? Let's look at the text and and see if there's any uh, help for us here. Jesus says that if you store up treasure, that is, things of value... Things worth protecting and and preserving on earth. They will be prone to three things. If you look at the verse printed in your bulletin, they'll be be prone to three things. uh, The moth, rust, and theft. Right. So the moth, first of all. In the ancient world, the moth would be a danger in particular to expensive garments. uh, Clothes in that day, just as in ours, were somewhat a status symbol and, and indicated uh, a certain wealth or prestige that you had in culture and society. And the one thing that it was almost impossible to protect them against was the moth. Rust was something that would attack precious metals, no matter how much money you had or how little you had. If you had any sort of precious metal, it would be prone to the corrosion and corruption of 
rust. In other translations, this word that's translated here, rust, shows up as like worm or vermin. It comes from this word that has to do with um, almost mastication, chewing and, and slowly wearing something down, just like rust, kind of like uh, cancer to metal, slowly wears it away. And then the last danger here in the text is theft. Uh, this word kind of carries with it the, the sense of digging into someone's walls from the outside where thieves break in and destroy, right? So um, you could kind of picture this in the ancient Near East where, where you would live in a dwelling that could actually be entered into by digging through the walls. And so a thief would dig in and take from inside the wall what you had put in there from the inside for safekeeping. And it's gone. Moth. Rust and theft. The three reasons why, why they and us should not treasure up things on earth. Because it will get eaten, it will get corroded, or it will get stolen if we value it too highly. So that's the setting. What about us? Ultimately, I will grant this. You're right. If your objection is, well, it's not money that's evil, it's the love. Yes, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. But let's take it to the next step. Yes, of course it's not about the money, but isn't it about what the money, what your money represents? So while Jesus seems to be concerned about material possessions, his true concern is for your loyalties. It's for your heart, which is what we see in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's not about the money, but what it represents. What is that? Well... Things like comfort, things like access to the right sort of people, um, the ability to spend. This is this is something I was thinking about. Where this week I was thinking, where did this where does this text kind of hit me? It's it's not necessarily having a lot of money, but the freedom that that represents to break the budget and and the even the tiniest thrill of spending money on irresponsible things. That's where it kind of hits. Me uh, to have enough to hide, to look kind of clean and dapper, or or physically beautiful in the world's eyes. To have lifestyles and habits, and, and grocery stores, and and go to restaurants that the world deems good and acceptable and, and better. Uh, living in Portland is is not cheap. Living like the Portland life I was thinking about is is, is not uh, frugal necessarily. So Jesus, he tells us a story to help with this. Uh, elsewhere in the Gospels. He tells us a story about a man who had a great windfall. He came into this incredible amount of money. His, his, he owned a farm. His crops had been uh, in, incredibly, incredibly fruitful. It was an amazing harvest. And so he came into a great deal of money. And he said to himself, Self, what will I do with all my money? And so he had a thought. He said, I'll build bigger barns. I'll tear down the barns I have. I'll build bigger barns and silos. I'll have more storage to where I can put all my grains and my goods. That way, I'll have ample goods for, for many years. And then he said to himself, soul, you have ample goods for many years. Eat, drink, relax, and be merry. In the story, God says to him, fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. And all your ample goods, all your buildings of storage, who will get them? 
And so Jesus telling this story says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So we're thinking about this contrast, right? In light of this story, treasure on earth versus treasure in heaven. Here, Jesus kind of frames it differently. He says, when you hear treasure on earth, you have to think rich towards yourself. When you hear treasure on heaven, treasure in heaven, you have to think rich towards God. Less about your ways and wisdom, more about his ways and and his wisdom. Seeing him as riches. Not necessarily giving your riches to him, but seeing him as riches themselves. God, his ways and wisdom is worth treasuring more than yourself. And if, if not, then you can just go back to counting your money. But if you can stand to let go of your treasure on earth in order to seek treasure in heaven, what does that look like? Okay, so if that's the failure of, of pilgrims like me and like you, then what does it look like to seek wisdom as a pilgrim coursing our way through the Christian life? What does it look like to treasure God? Let's talk about that, the wisdom of a pilgrim. Moving to kind of the second part of our text here. If treasure on earth is prone to these three sorts of destruction, then it would stand to reason that treasure in heaven is actually not prone to this destruction, right? The moth can't get to it, the rust can't corrode it, and the thief can't break in and steal. So that would seem like a good thing. But... I would say it this way. Heaven is is only worth treasuring because Jesus is there. Only because Jesus is worth treasuring is it worth to store up treasure there. Because he surrendered the treasure of heaven to come for people who hoard and hide from the needy. Psalm 49, kind of looking ahead to Jesus, puts it this way. It says, no man, uh, this is 49, verse 7, no man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. Really? No man? The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough that he should live on forever and not see corruption. Would you agree with that? No man can redeem the life of another? If that's true, we're without hope. But there is one man who can. There is one who did not see corruption. One who put death to death. He never suffered the moth. He never suffered rust. He never suffered theft. Except to hang next to a thief on the cross. Of course the ransom for a life is costly. The payment is never enough. But it was enough. Finally, in Christ. And that's our great hope this morning is that this this Jesus who set aside the treasure of heaven made a once and for all sacrifice so that the ransom was finally enough. That's the good news I would offer you this morning. This man who was who was homeless, he had nowhere to lay his head yet became the substitute for sins and you're judged according to his record and not yours. Uh, there's a story from the Old Testament that I think helps us kind of wrap our minds around what it looks like to set something aside for a greater hope in the future. Uh, if you remember Moses, famous, famous story, famous character from the Old Testament, uh, is this leader that God called to, to rescue his people from their slavery in Egypt. Uh, now, if you remember the very beginning of Moses' story, he was... He was born to a Hebrew woman during this time where Pharaoh had decreed that every uh, baby boy born to a Hebrew mother had to be slaughtered, thrown into the Nile River and drowned. 
Um, This was because Pharaoh feared an uprising from the Hebrews. And Moses was born during this time period, but his mother hid him. He grew up to about three months old. When she couldn't hide him anymore, she put him in a basket, hid him on the riverbank, and Pharaoh's daughter found him. Uh, And by God's grace, unexplainably, he was raised in the household of Pharaoh, even as a Hebrew. When he got a little bit older, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his kinsmen, beating a Hebrew. And so in rage, he rose up and and killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. Um, Knowing that Pharaoh sought to kill him for this, he, he fled Egypt into the desert, into the land of Midian, where he encountered God at the burning bush. It gets weirder. And God spoke to him through the, through the burning bush and sent him back to Egypt as the redeemer, the rescuer, uh, leader of his people. He left behind riches and power and prestige, immeasurable, uncountable. I mean, riches that you and I will never experience. He left that behind out of, out of fear to go into the desert, but then God sent him back to rescue his people from that very household. And so the book of Hebrews says this about Moses, that he was looking ahead to something better. It says, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It's incredible to me. That even from from Moses' day, he was looking ahead to this time when God would not use him as a redeemer, but God would send a true rescuer and redeemer. And he considered suffering for, for this unknown Savior better than even the riches of the greatest kingdom on earth. It's, it's incredible to me. And I couldn't help but ask myself the same question. Would I, would I say that? It's truly better to suffer for the sake of Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have the money that you wish you had. Um, or you don't have what you think you, what you deserve. But as a pilgrim, as an alien in a foreign land, um, I want to share with you some wisdom from God's word. In the book of Proverbs that talks about, talks about riches. And maybe, maybe this will be a source of, of comfort to you. That you don't have to have everything figured out right now when it comes to how you handle your finances and what you spend your money on. But, but let's just be um, comforted perhaps or maybe even challenged by some of these verses from Proverbs. Proverbs 28 says that it's better to be poor with integrity than rich and crooked. It says that a faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. Furthermore, Proverbs 30 says, Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Number one, keep falsehood far from me. Two, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I might have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. The wisdom of a pilgrim. No one will cheer you on for this. Zero, zero people will, will, will encourage you and, and cheer you on for this, pursuing this sort of lifestyle. You won't find this advice on the magazine rack at the grocery store. And this, but, but I also want to put it this way. It's not that I'm really advocating to live a life of, of simplicity and minim, minimalism. Um, this is totally different than that. 
often that sort of device, you know, simplified, just, just keep things around you that are of inherent value to you. It's divorced from a trust that Jesus will give you what you actually need. So follow me here. Um, that sort of advice, which is, which is not what I'm giving you, it leads us to treasure our stuff actually more because we have less of it. We're simultaneously impressed with ourselves for having so little, but then even more afraid of losing the little that we have. So that's not what I'm advocating here. This is more content, more than contentment, more than this is just heaven on earth. If you want to see heaven break into earth, the best thing to do is to start treasuring heaven more than you treasure earth. That would be my advice. But as we saw in our song again, and feel free to flip back in your bulletin. It was kind of hidden in there. Maybe you picked up on it. That word about the moth. Sometimes the hard reality is that God will take away what you treasure on earth. In order to draw your affections more to himself and, and away from your treasure. We heard that during our psalm reading. It says this, when you discipline a man with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Surely all mankind is a mere breath. So then that becomes the question, right? What if the moth isn't an accident? What if the rust isn't an accident? What if theft isn't an accident? What if, what if God in his infinite wisdom, for, for whatever reason, allows those sorts of evils to befall us so that we might slowly be detached from our treasure and find our affections more drawn towards him and find our affections more drawn towards treasure in heaven? What if that's the truth? And what if that's in his providence and his grace, knowing that there's a better hope and a better future for you than just possessions? Don't take that up with me. Take it up with the psalm. You can seem like a moth what is dear to him. So as far as diagnostics, maybe this will be some, some help to you. Here's, here's just a couple helpful diagnostics um, that I found myself thinking about this week. What do I spend my money on? Uh, when I'm not at work, this is helpful. When I'm not at work or you're unbound, the stresses and demands of, of normal life, when you have those rare moments, um, perhaps more and more rare as time goes on, of, of peace and silence, where does your affection go? Where does your treasure lie in those moments? What causes me to make the most excuses for myself? Uh, no doubt that money affects all of us in, in unique ways. And, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry for the, the weightiness of this passage, but we're getting to some, uh, some greener pastures here. And that, that's why I'd like to look at this passage from a different perspective, more from a, a positive vision of the Christian life, a more positive vision of a place of treasure in the Christian life. And so let's do that by looking at the heart of a pilgrim. And uh, this is how we'll conclude today. My question to you is this, what is it about God's heart that's meant to be reflected in the ABCs of our church, in our thinking about treasure in our lives? Um, Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Another translation says, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Um, As we've been talking about this pilgrim journey, how life is, is like a vapor. Behold, we're here in the morning and gone by the morning. We don't even make it to lunchtime, is how the Proverbs put it. Um, It might seem rather hopeless. Everything I'm saying, you just need to do a better job of treasuring the right treasure. 
Right? It's, it's easy. I can see how that would come across as, as the message. And that is hopeless. But if you were listening to our New Testament reading from earlier, there is great hope. Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to who? Belongs to God, not to us. It's the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This light that has shone in the darkness has shone in our hearts. This passage demands that we set aside earthly treasure for heavenly treasure. But think about what Jesus says, right? He says, do not uh, lay up treasure on earth, but instead lay up treasure in heaven. But he did the exact opposite, didn't he? He set aside treasure in heaven to lay up treasure on earth. Because why? Because his heart was for you. For, For where his heart was, there his treasure was, right? He flips it all around. You are his treasure and his heart was for you. He didn't just set up treasure in heaven. He, he set that aside to lay up treasure on earth in his life, in his humiliation, his death. He was resurrected from the grave and you became his great treasured possession. That's what Deuteronomy says that God in, in ancient days said out of all the people of the earth, he set his love on a people for his treasured possession. What an incredible reassurance for us this morning. That as we're challenged to not lay up treasure here, but treasure in heaven, Jesus did the exact opposite for our salvation. It's incredible. And so if you notice, the title of the sermon is Lost Art of Giving. What does generosity look like for us? As a result, you know, become less a chore and more a treasure. Just a few words of encouragement for you this morning. Um, if you're anything like me, a, a failed pilgrim, um, God's light, as we read, shines in your darkness. And power to repent comes only from him. And that's a treasure. And if, if you're seeking wisdom this morning, if you're, if you're seeking a new treasure, uh, 2 Corinthians 4 says that we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is, is wasting away, it's being corrupted, it's getting eaten from the inside out, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. The things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So Jesus is the hero, even of this passage. He's the perfect pilgrim. He's the wisdom of God, and he's the heart of God. And so... I'll just say this. I'm not, I'm not sure what generosity looks like for you. I, I have no idea about your bank account. I'm not particularly interested. Uh, I'm not sure what generosity looks like for you. It might look different for everyone here. I'm not sure how, how someone else sees themselves in need of what you have. Um, but Paul reminds us that God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, but not without the following reassurance. Right after that, God loves a cheerful giver and... God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So back to that original question. If Jesus has made you his treasure, what would it cost for you to give up yours? It might cost you a great deal. It might cost us a great deal to lay up treasures in heaven. Uh, you might pay a precious price to go down 
that road. But just remember that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And that the one who began a good work in you will see it through to the day of Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you don't care just for our hearts, but you care for our hands. And that you left behind your Holy Spirit um, after Jesus ascended to your right hand in order to be our comforter, our helper. Um, Lord, you are our ever-present help in time of need. And when we are in need and we are surrounded by those in need, I pray that we would not think first of our, of our own Needs, but we would be reminded that you, you set aside the riches of, of heaven in order to come and seek and save the lost. So Lord, would you begin to um, and continue to work into a soft hearts uh, that are uh, dialed into the needs of people around us, even in our own homes, that, that our treasure, uh, that we would not be um, so difficult to detach from it, but Lord, that you would be working in us to, to lay up our treasure in heaven, to treasure a better uh, treasure. Uh, I pray for my friends and, and for, for all of our hearts that, that we would be of one mind and as we continue to look at what our church is and, and might be, that you would give us a great hope and expectation for the future and that we'd all be ministered to uh, and continue to be ministered to this morning by your spirit through the gospel. And as we pray in Jesus' precious name, amen.